Whole Man Academy. Because the world needs strong men. Whole Man Academy is changing the game for men around the world. It's for guys who want to live an epic life of fun and adventure, no matter what. We believe deep down, all men want to go on their own hero's journey to becoming resilient, confident, fearless, and fulfilled. Listening to be inspired by guys who don't settle for living a life of mediocrity. This is your call to action and call to adventure. Are you ready? Okay, so this is the Whole Man Academy podcast, episode 84. My guest today is Gary Lafferty, international speaker, best-selling author, mindset and sales mentor, among other things. Uh, what he doesn't about personal development, I'm probably uh, going to soak up all as much as I can of it. We're going to talk about living an epic life, pressure and expectation, importance of consistency, selling high-ticket offers, and diving with sharks, as you do. So, mate, how are you and where are you? Oh, mate, I am good. I am good. I am currently in... Sunny Tampa in Florida. And where I've been living now since 2018. Well, so I wonder with that, because I mean, what I didn't realize when, I mean, for people that don't know how I got to kind of know about you was actually through, uh, I was going to say a mutual friend, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, she's, she's your wife. So that, uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope we're still friends, but I know some people that aren't friends with their wives. Um, <laughs> and with Heather, I met her probably five, six years ago, kind of as I was starting my own, uh, let's call it awakening or personal development journey through the Tony Robbins event. So how did you first meet Heather? And for me, it was all about, she had such great energy. You know, it, she was she was one of those great people to be around. So how did you first meet Heather? Um, so again, it, it was all down to personal development. So um, I'm a great one for, even though we've been involved, like yourself, been involved in coaching for many years, you've still got to do your own personal development. You've still got to work on yourself and you've still got to achieve stuff for yourself yeah. and setting yourself goals. So one of the goals that I had for myself was I really wanted to write a book. Ever since I got into coaching, maybe 15 years ago, I wanted to write a book for entrepreneurs. Right. The title then was something like Bill and Ben, the, the businessman, or something silly like that. It was, it was okay. something on that. But like everything else, it was one of those lists that never gets done. You know, let's write a book and stuff like that. So I made a conscious decision. I'm going to fly to America and I'm going to go to this conference on getting stuff done, right? Getting stuff done and actually getting your book done. And so, so I turned up at this uh, conference in San Diego, and um, I, 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 there was a, the quick story is I was flew into, into San Diego, booked into the hotel, went to the local bar, sat at the bar, and it was like this American avalanche of TV screens and sports and everything like nothing like our English London pubs, right? It was just like <laughs> was just bombardment of complete screens and things. And there's this girl sitting there, right, filling out a journal and stuff like that, which I thought was really odd in a sports bar. Anyway, got chatting to her and then she goes, well, I've got to leave. My date's turning up. Right, so she was actually on a date. <laughs> so off she went. She went off on her date. But then the very next morning, I'm in this conference. I'm in the coffee line. And I see her and I just walked up to her, tapped on the shoulder, went, how did your date go? Well, you know, probably not that well if you're here so early in the morning, right? But <laughs> just, just, yeah, just, just basically being an idiot, really. And um, yeah, her energy, like you said, it was just her energy. So I said, right, we're sitting together. Yeah. She goes, no, I'm VIP. I went, as it happens, so am I. Am I? <laughs> so yeah. I'm going to put myself next to you. And that was it. Literally, we've been together ever since. It was... I love that day onwards, we just met. And America's just been one of those countries of all the countries I've been to and worked. Yeah. Never one that I ever thought I'd be in. And it's funny how life turns out. It is a big change, isn't it? To state the obvious from, um, you know, being in, in, in London or in, in, in the States, you know, you know the, the weather as much as the, um, the culture and everything else. And I wondered, yes. because, because I didn't realise when she first met uh, or kind of introduced us. I didn't realise you were actually from the UK. I just assumed you were from the US because, I mean, I didn't know any different. So yeah. at what point, um, because the UK doesn't have a very big personal development kind of grounding, um, mm. you know, and it's funny, when I first started the Whole Man Academy, I spoke to a few guys who I knew through the Tony Robbins events. And I said, I said, look, you name me the top three or four personal development kind of bases for men in the UK. And they were like, uh, no, I can't think of anything. Mm. And I said, you know, the desire for it is there. You know, men in the UK want to live an epic life, want to do life better, want to provide for their families and, you know, live a life of fulfillment. 
But what I saw was all the guys in the UK were going to the US uh, and going to your Tony Robbins and going to Brenda Bouchard and, you know, you can list them all, which are all fantastic. Yeah. But often, I don't know about you, Phil, but um, I felt they were like very American. <laughs> and and I love that. That's exactly what it's like. Right, good. I'm glad you, glad you agree. And I, I'll tell you why I laugh because the first Tony Robbins event I went to was in the UK at UPW at the yep. XL Centre. And, and I've told this story before, but we turned up, you know, rolled up at eight o'clock in the morning. I was with my partner and there's all these people who, for me, seemed like they dropped out of acid because they were just like trying to high five everyone. And I was like, fucking hell, like it's eight in the morning. Like, please yeah. leave me alone. So what was that like for you going from the, the, the kind of the man from the UK to then trying to get into that, the, the energy of the, the, the guys from America that are slightly different? I th- I th- well, my story is very, is the, the story that Heather would tell, my wife would tell all the time is that she took me to, I think it was a Brenda Bouchard. I think it was within a month of me landing in America. And uh, she said, we're going to Brenda Bouchard. It's a three-day event. And I went, okay, let's just go. But don't expect me to do that happy clappy shit. (laughs) That that was my phrase. Don't expect me to do that happy clappy shit. Um, Anyway, uh, she goes, no, you've got to get involved with it and stuff like that. Well, the first day, as you quite rightly say, people are trying to hug you. And it's it's positively encouraged to walk up to strangers and hug them and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I was like, nope, I'm British. I don't do anything like that. You know, very reserved. And and usually from being the person on front of the stage rather than behind the stage, it was a real culture shock in two ways for me. Right. But anyway, apparently by day three, I'm dancing in the aisle and I'm high-fiving people. And and it it just took, I would suppose, networking to a new level. It it brought my own, uh, I suppose, I had internal fears. We all have internal fears. And that, that stiff upper lip of the British not, not doing stuff like that actually is probably the re- main reason why we don't do personal development that well in, in the UK. Yeah, It's because we see it as very Americanized. We see it as uh, a complete relaxation of control. And yeah. uh, if we lose control, we lose everything. And that attitude, unfortunately, as you say, on one hand, there's loads of men in the UK who really want, and loads of people and men, especially men, who would relish the personal development stuff. But because we're not, we just see it as a very American, we tend to avoid it. So yeah. that being in America has really helped me um, see the other side of it. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are some people that come up and say hi and hug you and stuff like that. You just went, you know, <laughs> you just drop back. Head off. Because, you know, I'll ask one lady, I said, what do you do? And, you know, she said, I'm a dolphin trainer or a dolphin whisperer or yeah. something like that. And she's from the desert in Arizona. And I was thinking, how can you be <laughs> a dolphin whisperer? You do, so yeah. there are some really good stuff, but it's also a mix of a load of, um, uh, I will call them wannabes, you know, that there's, they're, they're just hanging around the crowd. They don't really know why they're there. They're probably there yeah. for the energy. And if that's what feeds them, fantastic. Yeah. You know? uh, it's so interesting. I mean, I, you know, the more I learn about personal development, the more I realise how little I know and how much for all the different experts there are, which will kind of come on to that. But I just wanted to go back for yourself because, again, um, you know, you prior to being out in the, in the States, uh, you know, grew up in London. So give people kind of a little bit of a background of you as you kind of growing up. And then I know you're in kind of real estate brokerage and you mm-hmm. and you scoured a business and then sold it, which I think is is really interesting because for me, sometimes it's like, what happened after that? Because I guess you spend years building up for that, I'm guessing here. And then it's like, okay, well, it depends on what age you are. What do I do next? So yeah. can you give us a kind of a moonwalk back a few years and give us a bit of a background? Yeah, so um, I'd been in a state agency for a long time, and I, I'm a, one of those people that if I'm going to do something, I want it to the very best of my ability. Now, it might not be the best in the world, but it's the best of my ability. Yeah. And it's almost like I want to, uh, and without going too much into personal development at this stage, when you realise that you're actually, when you start pushing, there's actually, re, re, there is a reason why you, you strive, there's a reason why people strive for stuff. And now looking back at it, I can see it was for approval. I always wanted approval from other people, especially my mother and stuff like that. So I kept pushing at stuff I wanted to do. And um, I joined, I was in a real estate company and I actually became one partner. They, they, there was three main partners who were equity partners and one, what they called an associate partner, who was given and promoted to a partner right. in that firm. And he did it in five years. And I was thinking, wow, if this guy can do it in five years, then I've got to beat that. 
and I'll be the second guy that they give it, you know, and it wasn't even on the cards. It's not as if that's in your job interview. If you work hard, you can have partnership. It just wasn't those things. But the fact that someone else had had it means I, I, I wanted to do it. Anyway, I made partner in three years and um, I, I, I it, it, I worked hard in it though. I was working seven days a week. It, it almost, it, in fact, it did cost me my previous relationship with my, the mother and my children because yeah. all the days I was working. But um, from there, I owned my own estate agency. I went to, from there, I decided, well, hold on a second. It was exactly what you just said. Ed. I got to the, the partnership and I got equity partner. And within six months of all that hard work, I was thinking, is this it? Really? Yeah. I've worked all these hours, I've done all of this, and I've got the trappings of it. Like you say, when you worked in the city, you have the trappings of it, but you're kind of, you're still in a cocoon. Yeah. You're just, you're just in this wake up, do, go home, wake up, do, go home mentality, right? And then if you're, depending on what type of week it is or whatever, then you can blow the whole week away because you just need to escape and yeah. you're not growing, you're just doing, you're just dealing. Mm. Right? And so, I had to took some time out. I sold that partnership. I said, right, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to do it my own way. And I set up, and I, 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 I think it was the e-myth that I was reading at the time. And it, what absolutely stunned me was the fact that the phrase where it says, never build a business to work in it. Otherwise, you just got yourself another job. Build a business to sell. Right, yep. Make it an asset. So I said, right, so the plan is five years, we're going to sell the business. We're going to sell the business. We're going to build it up. We're going to do everything we can in a five-year plan and sell the business. Me, me and a partner. And I had a partner. Well, in three years, we decided to get a valuation just to see, just to see what it was worth. Yeah. Where we were at the halfway mark, right? Uh, and the valuation came in at roughly what we thought it was. We've got two more years. Well, real estate and estate agency, especially in South London, is extremely, extremely um tighten it and mm. all of a sudden i start getting even though there's an, uh, an nda signed um i started getting phone calls and emails from my competitors saying here i'm here you're selling i hear you're selling i hear you're selling right no 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 just a valuation anyway but before i knew it within four weeks um i got a, a an offer of three times the value and when you More think about it, it was literally just to pay me to get off the high street. That's exactly what they were doing. They, right, okay. Yes, they wanted all my clients. Yes, they wanted that. But it's effectively, let's pay a competitor out. Yeah. So there's one less competitor on the high street. And then that was it. And that's how I end up selling my, my estate agency, the real estate brokerage from there. And then went full time into training and speaking. So what was it like going? Did you did you know you were going into the, the training and speaking? And had you done some of that? I mean beforehand because i was i'm always interested for um you know guys with the whole man academy that I either talk to on the podcast or i kind of connect with those that have made a, a big transition like that um you know for some of them it's it's been years in the making and others are like it's that fuck it moment where you're like i'm off i'm done um you know money in the bank or not so how was it for you um i distinctly remember one day the days I used to smoke and not really look after myself, you know, and that's what it has when you're working all these hours. It's just a quick, I used to smoke a cigarette for like within two seconds. It used to be gone and then back in because it's busy. Yeah. And um, I remember sitting outside talking to someone and, and I used to drive to work and every day. I remember the old cassette tapes, the personal development cassette tapes, just blew it in and it was a tape, it wasn't even a CD then. Yeah. It was a cassette tape. And I was listening to this guy called Jay Abraham. Right. And he everything he said just made sense to me how you look from another business you take what's good at another business and you bring it into your current business um and he used the phrase me too which means completely different things today but in those days it was every business has a me tooism so if you're a solicitor i'm a solicitor me too that's how we market ourselves that's okay. how we sell oh i'm a personal trainer me too that's how we market ourselves and no one was looking outside the industry mm. So they were started looking outside the industry, and then that's how I managed to grow the business pretty quickly. And by seeing what was working for other people, you know, I'll even look at tire shops and say, what's a tire shop that's doing that we're not doing in real estate or estate agency? Can I use something like that? Um, and then Jay Abraham came over to England. He came over to England, and um, the promoter, I happened to know who the promoter was, and the promoter said, yeah, we're paying him uh, I think it was like $25,000 for 40 minutes. Yep. 
back, back and, then that was a lot of money yeah that was in the 90s it was like, <laughs> what that's you know i don't so even i remember earning that all year yes yeah Twenty-five thousand. you know 25 grand so i was thinking, oh this is i've got to go and see him anyway as it all turned out, I remember going, wow, if he can make 25 grand sharing his and helping people. He wasn't just getting paid. See, he wasn't just one of those speakers who you get paid to speak, if that makes sense. I climb my Everest and therefore I'm speaking and teaching about my Everest. It was real good stuff that really helped people expand as, pers- as people mm. and as businesses. And I was listening to him and I thought, that's what I want to do. That is exactly what I want to do. I want to get paid to, to teach people and help people grow, just like I've managed to grow. And Jay Abraham has been in my ear for two years as, as a cassette tape. And now I want to do that. So that became my transition. And so my transition was, okay, I'm going to go out and um, I'm going to go out and um, help people. And so I, it's through who, who you know, and, and a friend of mine was starting up a coaching company mm-hmm. to train people how to become coaches as a lot of people were doing way back in the 90s and the, and the, and the late 90s and early noughties. And um, she paid me to come in and do 45 minutes worth of training on marketing and selling yourself as a coach. And that was the beginning of my thing. And from there, it just grew into an international thing. That's what I'd love to hear when it is that, as you say, you know, you, you kind of start small and, and because some people I think see, you know, the special, let's say, personal development gurus or people up on stage and you realize that you start small and it might just be that one person you know, but you've got to kind of put yourself out there and put yourself in that situation. Yes, absolutely. I think you, you've, uh, people very rarely see you know, that, that, that image of the, of the iceberg. Everyone sees success as the top and they don't yeah. see the bottom of it and all of the stuff. You know? And I like to refer to that bottom part of the thing as the Titanic part, because that's the thing that sunk the Titanic, all right? That's where all the problems are. That's where all the dangers are. Yes. When you're at the top, you can see for miles, right? Yeah. But when you're underneath, you can't. So you don't know what you're going to get hit by. You don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And that's where the struggle comes from. But if you don't do that struggle, and this is the things about what I see people who succeed and do really, really well in life is those who went through the struggles because now they know how to duck and dive. They, they, they know what the problems are. They know not how not to repeat those things yeah. so they can get to the top. Whereas those who have just become what I call instantly famous for sake of another term, that they fall very quickly. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have that proper foundation of not just learning and doing, but having to take the falls as well. And it, I guess also it's that, I mean, it's funny, reminding me of two weeks ago on the podcast, we had Mark Knight, who's kind of a you know international DJ. And, and I knew him when he was DJing to, as you said, like five people on the dance floor. And then, you know, years later, he's DJing to 50,000. Mm. And it is, is that starting off thing. And I'm wondering for yourself, how was it nerve nerves wise when you started speaking to, to even to smaller groups, but, you know, once the kind of the, the, um, what's the word, the crowds got a little bit bigger. Yeah. Um, it was always nerve wracking. I've got to tell you that it was always nerve wracking, whether it was eight people in the room. Yeah. Um, and today, to be fair, even though when I go online and do an, I do an online event, um, I, I I just literally just did an online event in Singapore. It's a three-day event. So time-wise, it's a complete 12-hour difference. Yes. So, yeah, the, their daytime is the middle of my night. Mm. But it doesn't matter how many people, whether it's where it was eight people or up to, I think the heart that I said it was five and a half thousand people in a room. Um, the nerves were always there. The nerves were always there. But a friend of mine, Andy Harrington, I don't know if you know Andy Harrington, Andy Harrington, he, he gave a quote and he turned around and he says, look, um, if you were on the starting gun as a sprinter, if you were Hussein Bolt, do you think they are full of nerves and shaking when they're actually on the blocks? Or have they now calm and ready? Because if you're shaking on the blocks, it's the wrong time to shake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you've, when you're on the blocks, you should be ready to go. So by all means, you've got to re-channel that energy. But nerves-wise, yes, I used to pace. People used to come up to me and go, I'm all right, and I used to go away from me. And I used to be, and I know what Tony does. Tony goes, he gets himself into state yes. right beforehand. And I tried yeah. doing that, and I just felt so silly. <laughs> really trying to get myself into, into state. I'm yeah. already in a state, right? Yeah. <laughs> just the wrong state. <laughs> So I used to be one of these really internally focused and, and my heart used to be trying to jump out of my chest mm. because I think I really wanted the message to land. I think that was the key. I, I wanted, when I really assessed that, I wanted the message to land. I wanted people to have a good time. 
Um, I didn't really care what they thought about me. I'm a great, I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that, you know, a good percentage of the room won't like you no matter what. All right. Yeah. I'm a great believer of a third of the room won't like you because they don't like your hair. They don't like your accent. They don't like your shirt. They just don't like themselves, whatever it is. They just don't yes. like you. So you can't please everybody. And that was a key thing. You can't please everybody when you're speaking. But for those who do, I still want them to have a good message. It's not about me. I'm just the messenger. All right. So I want them to have a great takeaway and, and to feel something different and to feel that they can change and they can feel that they can get out of that rut that they're in because life puts us in a rut, yeah. unfortunately, and it's up to us to get out of that rut. No one's going to come and take you out of that rut. You have to get out of that rut yourself. And so messages to land. So nerves were not because of me. I think the nerves was because what happens if they don't get it? What mm. happens if I can't get that message across? Am I wasting my time? Have they wasted their time? You know, what happens if I leave them where they are and they get stuck and they never get out? So it's a different type of nerves that I had, yeah. but nerves nonetheless. That's so interesting because, you know, you are kind of, you're trying to teach many people at the same time. And I guess I'll try and look at it now. Let's say we've got an online course or if I do talks, you know, I'm delivering the same content every time. And you might get one person that is going to not be ready to listen or not going to get it. And another person like that and, you know, I got an email the other day from a guy who was like, I've implemented all the stuff you've had in your online course, which is about sleep and mindset and fitness, um, you know, a whole and, and nutrition. And he's been implementing it all, but you can guarantee you'll give that to other people exactly the same uh, material and it just won't land with them. Have you yeah. ever had that where you're actually, you know, during a talk thinking, this isn't going how I thought it should? Oh, many times. <laughs> <laughs> many, many times. I love the honesty. Um, <laughs> it's one of the advantages of speaking live which we haven't had you know to the degree for the last two years yeah um is that you get to see people's facial reactions mm -hmm. and even in in rooms of thousands you, you, you your eyes will go to people right because you want to connect with them so you get to see their thing so it's it's a good thing but it's also a bad thing because when you get when you're looking at someone and they're just, they're away with the fairies, all right? Or they're on their phone, or worse yeah. still, they're eating a Burger King or something like that. You yeah. just think, you're not getting it. Why am I not getting through to you? And then your focus becomes on trying to get them, which is wrong, by the way, but you can't help it. Your focus yes. is, I need to make sure you get it. Out of 5,000 people, you're the one that I need to be talking to, which is the thing. But um, then you, you have to ch change and realize, look, just because one person's not getting it, it doesn't yeah. mean the rest aren't. And quite frankly, this one person might be getting it, but they're processing differently. That's, I, I tell you why that's important. I probably could have done with learning that myself. I, I did a, a talk um, probably about two years ago at Soho House in, uh, you know, down in, down in Soho in London. And there was about no, 25, 30 people in the room. And it was about the whole man academy and why men should get together to talk. And yeah, all but two of the people were kind of seemed like they were nodding along and paying attention and there was this one guy at the back who was probably in his early 50s and he just was scrolling through his phone the whole time and I was focusing on him thinking he mm. hates me he doesn't like it he thinks it's shit and at the end he was the first one to come up and say I took loads of notes on my phone it was really good yeah. I was like fuck <laughs> I just spent like half an hour concentrating on the on that instead of actually thinking you know how am i delivering value to the people that in my perception wanted to wanted to hear from it so for me one of the questions also i know you've spoken on stage you know alongside you know some some big names so are you i know the answer is going to be yes you know continue becoming a better speaker by looking at them but is there one in particular that you've taken more kind of uh could i say direction from really good question really good question um No, is going to be the answer, um, because I like to, to see everybody in context and content. Mm -hmm. So I love to hear what they've got to say for my own personal development, and that's content. But the context they take it in, I'm learning from them. How do they do that? Do they do that how I would do it? Or can I improve from that? Or things like that. So there's not one. Maybe I should go, oh, he's the most inspirational to me. Maybe I should be that type of person. Go, that person is, you know, the God, the demigod for me. But unfortunately, there isn't. I, I'm, 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 I suppose I'm a great believer. I can, these guys are putting themselves out there. Mm -hmm. I feel for them. I know what it feels like to, 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 to 
all that energy that it takes. Yeah. Um, so and for that, I respect them. So therefore, I'm going to give them the time of day yeah. that they deserve and 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 and, and want and need. Uh, rather than just choosing one over. But um, I think everyone comes with a different content. I think that's the difference. Everyone comes with a different content and everyone has a different way of putting it across. Um, but they move me not in a speaker's way, but certainly in a, they help me as a person and help me as an entrepreneur. I could talk for hours about what it's like for speaking as a as a young, when I say young, as in I'm 43, but you know I've only started doing speaking in the last couple of years. So I'm on the first or second rung of learning. But I wanted for you... Um, because what I saw from some of the personal development stuff I went to was um, what's the word like the persuasive presentations, as it were. And yep. you, know, you had some people, you know, ultimately at Ted Robbins. And this is one of the big things I spoke to a guy about recently with if you've there's a difference between just selling any old shit and selling something because you believe it can really help people. You know, it's, it, you've got positive intentions. And therefore, if you've got this great product some people struggle with selling because they feel like oh, I'm selling and people are going to think I'm trying to sell to them. You're like, yeah, I've got this fucking great product and I yeah. want, I, I want to bring it to you and then you can make a decision. So what's your thoughts on kind of, you know, persuasive presentations? Cause you're trying to want to be authentic and is it mm -hmm. all about practicing and practicing? Um, I'm going to ask it that two ways actually, because uh, the, I'm going to talk about practicing first, right. because when I very first started, um, and I knew I had an event coming up and I, did, I didn't know how many people there were going to be. And, but I just knew I had, I had a 45 minute slot and I had to get my message across. So what I did was practice and um, I got myself a little um, flip chart. And it was, I think it was the, the post-it note version. So it's like the A1, yep. so just rip it off and it was sticky at the start. I remember that because you can fold it and carry it away. But I wanted to look at crowds. I wanted to look at eyes and I, and I didn't know how to do that. So I went up, I was just in my house one day, wandering around, you know, taking a break from practicing against the wall. And I went in my daughter's bedroom and in my daughter's bedroom against the wall was all her soft toys. So I stacked all her toys and her animals and all like that and got them all facing me. Yeah. So all these <laughs> animals and all their eyes, different shapes and sizes yeah. and all that. So I started presenting to them. And when I started presenting to them, it made me look in their eyes, yeah. it made me swap my eye line around and stuff like that. So that, that, that to me was one of my best practices that I do. And I still use that kind of bit today. But regarding presentations, regarding the persuasive presentations and, and the marketing to many and selling to many rather than selling one-to-one, -one, I, I would say 90% of, of all my speaks and presentations is marketing and selling one-to-many. Right. Okay. Um, only 10% of keynotes. And you're absolutely right. The only way that that you can do that with full sincerity is to have is to have, to have total belief in the product or the service that you're presenting to them. Yeah. That that it will help them. And if they don't take up you up on that, then uh, you're doing them an injustice because th their life will will do one of two things: either will stay where it is which is not why they turned up in the first place or worse still go to somebody who isn't or product isn't as good but is just a much better salesperson mm -hmm. and and sold somebody into that and as you as you said in in, in other things before that another of your podcast that you bought stuff we've all done it before we bought stuff thousands of dollars of stuff and we don't do anything with it because <laughs> someone just sold us into it yeah so you a good persuasive presentation, the marketing one-to-many or selling one-to-many has many elements to it. But the main elements would be you, full belief in the results it can produce for that particular person. And quite frankly, if it's, not, if it's a great product, but the wrong person at the other end. So for example, if you're trying to sell something, and there's so many things where else, I'm not gonna name anything, but you can sell something, let's say to a, an 80 year old man, a particular training who's never going to utilize it or it's too late to use it or something like that, then that's just insincere. No matter how good this product is, it's the wrong, it's the wrong person. But yes, you have absolute belief that the person can actually benefit from it, really benefit from their lives from it. And that you, what you have is the best on the market there. And, and if it's not the best on the market there, then you really shouldn't be putting your, 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 your name, your face, your voice and your reputation behind it. That's, uh, I always find it interesting because 
I know I read on um, when I was kind of reading a bit more about yourself, you said most expert based entrepreneurs struggle with selling themselves and their services. And yes. I guess, you know, even in my years of working in a city, you know, everybody is selling themselves at some point. It might be that you're pitching to your girlfriend that you want to go out on a Saturday night with your mates, as well as, you know, doing a presentation to, to, to work. And that all comes down to, uh, you know, the more you do in theory, the better you get if you're also if you're getting around the right people. Um, and I wonder for you, is there one event that you've done or one event where you finished it and that was the one where you were like, I really nailed it. And therefore that gave you slightly more confidence because I go back to when I worked in the city, I didn't have to do many presentations to start with, but I remember I did one and it just went well. And it was that one kind of click that made me realize I am capable of this. And that can then be applied to a lot of other things for a guy in life. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. I've had, I'm very fortunate that I've had uh, many events that have gone really, really well. Uh, and people are running to the back of the room before I've even finished speaking, you know, and one could say, that's really good. You know, I said, oh, I haven't even give you the price yet. Yeah. <laughs> and you're running to the back of the room. Yeah. You know, there's scarcity at its best, right? Um, but I think it really boils down to it, to answer your question, what was the one, was there one that really made it? Yes, I was at the Hilton in Guildford. Right. And it was one of my very first days. I hit in Guildford. It's a little room, eight people in the room. And it was a two, uh, the program was like two grand. 2000 pounds and I'm sitting to eight people and everything's going through my head as well as trying to get the message across everything's going does this make sense to them is there only eight what chance have I got of sending if there's only eight in the room you know um all all the the the, the negatives are going through my head as well but I think at the end of the day three or four this was way back when when I first had three or four out of the eight went to the bank got their credit card out and paid two grand each and I thought, wow, wow, this, this, it's needed, it's wanted. My role now is to facilitate that and make sure it gets done and really look after these three or four people. But if, if these three or four people, it goes back to what I said to you earlier, was that if you're going to do something, do it to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. It might not be the best in the world, but it's the best of your ability. Yeah. And um, really show them your gratitude for putting that, they put their trust in you. And that was when I went, well, okay, if they put their trust in you, it doesn't matter if it's the third person mm-hmm. or the th- three thousandth person, you've still got to treat them as it was. So um, the, the, the phrase I've, I've always had in my head, and, and I think this is a, look, it, this might be your 300th presentation, but it's their first yeah. with you. So you give everything you can in that first presentation. And that is it, isn't it? I've, the more I either do podcasts or what have you, you realise that, I had that overwhelming sense that you want to make sure, let's say with the whole man Academy, that every interaction someone has with the whole man Academy is kind of fun, you know, mm. and, and because, you know, some guys will have listened to all the podcasts and some, this might be their first and therefore you can't kind of rest on your laurels and be like, Oh yeah, well I'll be a bit low on this one because they, they know what I I'm all about. Does that come down to, um, I guess the word consistency, I mean, in business as well as in, in personal development and speaking. Yes, I think it is. Consistency is absolute. Consistency can give predictive results, all right? And that's that's the thing. If you're going to do something, there's generally going to be a result that you want out of it. It might be financial. It might be emotional. It might be spiritual. Whatever it is, that when you're going to do something, there's generally a result you want. If you're going to work out, there's a reason why you're working out, all right? So it's, again, if, I'll take the working out scenario. You know, I was working out this morning. And I, and I got to this particular uh, uh, set and I was struggling, everything's shaking. And then in my head, I was going form over numbers, form over numbers, form over numbers. You, you, you know, if you're going to struggle, then find me struggle. You're, you're, you're human if you're going to struggle. But it's yeah. far better to get that one last best form out and then pack up the rest rather than have the rest not serving your purpose. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the same when it comes down to consistency is be consistent at something. And if, if you're going to be consistent at numbers, be consistent at numbers, but know why you're being consistent at numbers. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be consistent on form, be consistent on form because you know why you want to be consistent on form. But have a reason. Consi- uh, consistency can follow reason. It's easier to follow, be consistent if you have a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. It's harder to be consistent if you don't have a reason to do it. So that, that more from um, when I 
collapsed. You know, when I left work in the city, I was it was so e life was quite easy in some ways because you just did your job uh, and someone put money in your bank account at the end of the month and that was it. You didn't have to think of all the other things. And I know, um, you know, one of the guys that was helping us with the Holman Academy said, if you want to be, you know, successful in what you're doing, you have to be. There's consistency. We've got to be relentless as well. You know, it is that thing of not saying, oh, do you know what? I can't be bothered this week because when you're working for yourself, you haven't got someone breathing over your shoulder saying, well, you know, what you're doing, what you've got, you've got no deadlines because you are the deadline maker. So yeah. how, how have you found that kind of with the motivation of being, you know, when, if you're running your own business, mm -hmm. having ups and downs and also who have you spoken to along the way? Cause the whole man Academy is all about, you know, guys getting together to talk, be it, um, you know, as a youngster, as you're getting older with kind of masterminds, which I was going to ask you about, but how have you found that with, with the ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Um, so it's interesting you talk about the act of entrepreneurship because um, it doesn't even, I learned that lesson when I was in sales, first and foremost, when right. I was in play. And when I was managing stuff, someone taught me as a sales manager when I was 18, 19 or something like that. But I used to get, tell my staff, I said, look, you are the CEO of your own firm. This desk is a profit center. Yes. All right. So this desk that you're at, even though you're an employee and you get paid at the end of the month, you got you got to think about it from a perspective from a profit center. If I can have somebody who can make more money on that profit desk, I'm going to put them in that desk. So it's up to you now to prove that you're the one that can produce the most profit out of that desk, yeah. irrespective of the highs, the lows of the market, and, and how you're feeling. And as you say, because so you have to be consistency. There's no point moaning and groaning and, and, and blaming everybody else. And again, that's where I first learned accountability. You know. Mm. You've got to find accountability in someone, somewhere, but it has to be there because when you're on your own, it's very difficult to, you, even the superstars of the world, the sports people of the world, you know, they all have their coaches. And this is what yeah. I learned when I first came into coaching and people used to yeah, all that blah, blah stuff and all that shit that was cool. Yeah, of course. But it's, <laughs> it's true, you know, that the best in the world are the best in the world of what they do, whether it be golf, whether it be football, whatever, whatever. but they're still what helped them along the way and probably still do is the accountability to somebody. And what does accountability mean? It's doing the shit you said you're going to do. That's basically, yeah, you want, there's one, there's too many people on this planet on this world who say one thing and do another, another thing, or worse yeah. still, don't do anything, right? And that accountability buddy, that accountability person, somebody who you respect, who you look up to, who you don't want to let down, that's the person that pushes you and drives you forward when you're having a bad day, mm. when things aren't going right. Yeah. Uh, when you get a bad message, I mean, I had somebody message me back yesterday, somebody who I do respect uh, a lot, and a message went out, a marketing message went out, and he wrote back two words in capitals, dude, yuck. And it really affected me. It was like, yeah. you know, and it was almost like, oh, dude, yuck, what do you do sending me that kind of stuff? And that hits you for six because you think, I respect you. You're, you wonder, and now I've upset you or something like that. And it, as a human being, it's going to affect you. As an entrepreneur, it's going to affect you. Yeah. But you've got to go, well, hold on a second. That went out, that message, marketing message went out to hundreds of people. There's been a great response, but one person has come back and went, dude, yuck, in capitals, no less. I mean, it was, he wasn't mucking about. He was basically, oi, dude, jump up. <laughs> I don't want it. But that's their issue, not mine. Yeah. So, it's hard if you're on your own and you don't have someone to, to turn to and go, hey, this is what happened, you know, something. Like a lot of this goes on in your head and that you're on your own worst enemy. You know, your, your brain is, it makes heaven of hell and hell of heaven. And, you know, you, you've got to keep, someone's got to keep that in track somewhere along the line. You know, we're not that, superhuman. That's the thing, isn't it? It's, and I'm going to go back to mastermind because I'm, I was in like a little mini mastermind and then I joined a bigger one of eight kind of um, guys that all have or are working on online businesses mm -hmm. of all different respects. And it was that thing of all, all getting together as well. And you'd learn from each other's mistakes, suggestions, and you'd also enjoy just saying, this is what's working, but this is what I'm working on. And they'd yep. all chip in. And sometimes you get some really great ideas from a guy who had nothing to do with what you're doing but from the outs, he could kind of look from a, you know, a bird's eye view, as it were, and say, well, have you tried this? And you're like, mm. oh, yeah. So uh, what about yourself in masterminds? Is that is that something you've been in or or been part of? Yeah, absolutely. For the last probably three years, I'd say, three right. to four years, 
um, I've been in numerous masterminds, some online, some just, just the fact that we're online as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And some that cost 25 grand a year mm-hmm. to be around people who I want to be around. Yeah. But it's, it's odd. Funny enough, we were talking about this earlier on when I was um, in the 90s, when I was looking at how other businesses work and bringing it into your particular business. And a business has nothing to do with your business, but look what they're doing. And effectively, that's what a mastermind is, like you just said. And it's like you've got another guy who runs a completely separate business to you. But they go, have you tried this? This is what's working in our industry. This is the results we've got. Um, and what I love about masterminds is the non-competitiveness of, of it. Yes. We can share numbers. We can share results. And um, that drives and helps the people. And you can also share your, as you well know, in masterminds, you can share your failures as well. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, it's not, especially British entrepreneurs, you know, it's, it's British entrepreneurs don't talk about money and they certainly don't talk about failure. All right. And failures. Yeah. Here in America, everyone talks about money because it seems to be the thing in America for some reason. I still find it crash to a degree, but yep. That's because I'm British, not because there's anything wrong with what they do. Um, but they're not afraid to share their failures. Yeah. And, th- and that's such a big learning curve when, when you can share, look, I tried this and they go, what are the numbers you got? And I've got this, it's complete for how much did that cost you? Da, da, da. But it just forces you to look at it at a deeper level mm-hmm. rather than brush under the carpet, as we used to say, you know, just brush under the carpet. Yep. Yeah. Bad for it's it's awkward, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah, don't, we don't want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, and it just means you're back on your own again because you, you know you've brushed it under the carpet. Yeah. It's still your carpet, right? <laughs> Everyone else has left. Yeah. It's now you didn't bring it up. It's still your carpet you've got to go back to. You yeah. know it's underneath it. So I think it's really healthy to bring out failures, to bring out what you've tried, what's worked, what hasn't worked. So I'm an absolute be- uh, real believer that in, in, in masterminds and yeah there are plenty about online and offline yeah no it's definitely something because we were we were close to launching uh our own mastermind at the start of 2020 and then of mm. course it fucked things up because you weren't you know people weren't traveling or getting together um yeah. and and for me that the importance was although it would have been mainly online we all know the power of getting together in the room you know mm. it's, it's it's a totally different experience when you can I don't know, you can see someone warts and all instead of them kind of, you know, just sitting behind a screen, sometimes with a fake wooden background. Uh, and, you know, who knows who knows what's really going in their life? Yeah. Um, well, I, I wanted for you also, uh, I could talk to you for ages about this stuff. That's why I realised we're, we're racing through time. But with your own health, I know you said that you stopped smoking. Um, mm. But, you know, one of the big things for me about personal development was their big importance of, you know, health. Health is your wealth. And if you're eating shit and drinking crap and, you know, spending time doing things that are toxic for your body it's mm. going to pay you back at some point so what about yourself with your kind of health uh, journey as it were um i always used to be a very keen sports as i was growing up i used to play a lot of rugby um i used to play rugby for surrey when i was younger and then i went into martial arts and did 10 years of martial arts in taekwondo and kung fu so i was always kept myself really really busy and until my body just kind of really decided it didn't want to take any more bashings, right? It didn't want to take any more sprains or broken bones yeah. or, or things like that. Um, and then I've got to admit, unfortunately, that I focus on work. As I said, I, when I've really focused on building the uh, this day agency and becoming partner, I let everything slide. I drank yeah. too much, ate the wrong crap, you know, and, and, and partied miles too much as an escape. Um, and the smoking part of it, was I mean I didn't smoke or drink and oh, I started smoking when I was eighteen and I, and I didn't drink until I was like twenty four because yeah. I was like giving help yeah really but then I just was like a I was like a, a mad possessed man I just came yeah. out and just I went everything to uh, you know excess yes it was crazy so um, I, I decided to make this health this health conversion over it and. I kept struggling for years and years and years. And, it, and it's funny how it's always one person in your life that will, no matter what you're struggling with, they'll just drop this, they'll just drop a bomb and you'll go, oh, yeah. why didn't I know that? It was just, oh, it's just so much, so much simpler. It was about healthy eating and stuff like that. Yeah. And she said to me, she said, uh, look, Gary, 
I said, I could not, everyone makes excuses, we all know. And I said, oh, my bucket's so full, we got all this, that, that, it's just crazy. And as you know, I'm flying all around the world, I'm doing this, I'm, I don't have time to eat properly. And I, all the excuses came out, right? <laughs> yeah, she goes, yeah, but do you have to drink so much? <laughs> well, I'm in the airport lounge, just give it to me and give it on the airplane. <laughs> I live in hotels. I'm, and it was, it was, it was, when I look back at it, there's just excuses, really bad excuses. Yeah. But anyway, she turned around and said, look, don't try and make up your, your challenges. You're trying to make too much of a big change. All right. Mm -hmm. So why don't you do this? Look, let's say your bucket is full. All right. And you, the bucket's full of crap. All right. It's, there's just so much crap in this bucket. And you keep filling it up with crap. So you obviously enjoy your crap. So just keep eating the crap. But what I'm going to ask you to do is just like take a little bit off the top and right. leave some room for some veg. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, thought, I think it was veg, fruit and veg. Said. Just leave some, just have a little bit more fruit and veg. That's all. You still fill your bucket. Go for your life. Fill your bucket. But just leave a little bit more room because if you just leave a little bit more room and put some in, it's better than not having anything in. Mm. And I thought, I could do that. I could do that. So I started doing that. And I started doing it. After a while, you start thinking, oh, I, I think I can leave a little bit more room for a little bit more veg. And all of a sudden, yeah. it starts to what you're putting in. You're still taking the same amount. Mm -hmm. You're still having your naughty bits, as it were, but you're having less and less and less of your naughty bits as you're making this transition. And I, yeah. I, I believe it's a lot easier to do a transition as opposed to a change. A change is very hard for people to do mm -hmm. because it, 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 there's the, the, the muscle memory, right? Everything, muscle memory, brain memory, everything is the way you should be doing it. That's what you're used to. So don't take that muscle memory away. Don't, don't try and clash with that muscle memory. Just do this transition. And that's what's turned me around. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm still 50-50. You know, I'm still 50% crap <laughs> and 50% well, maybe 60-40 in, in, in good. But the smoking thing was I tried everything. And, um, and I, I know you've heard that before. Everyone's heard that. Yeah. It was the, the day I stopped smoking was January the 13th, 2013. Always remember that day. Yeah. And... Uh, the reason why I gave you that was because I was wheezing and my son said to me, he goes, why are you wheezing? Because I'm, you know, I must have a cough or something. And I went to the doctors and typical good old GPs in London. I said, I'm wheezing. I'm wheezing. wheezing. Can you give me some for wheezing? And he goes, no, you're wheezing because you smoke. It doesn't matter what I give you. Yeah. Wheezing because you smoke. So I can't give you anything. And even if I could, I would not give it to you. Mm. Because... It's just a, so that was the point where I thought, okay, I've got to change this, all right? Because I don't want my son thinking I'm wheezing and, and, and setting yeah. a bad example. And I tried the acupuncture and I tried the, the, the patches and I tried the gum and I tried everything. And this is an interesting story, actually. Um, a friend of mine who was a postman down in Kent, and he said, I tried this thing called, oh, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was called. <laughs> anyway, but what it was, it was, um, Bioresonance, that's what it's called, bioresonance, bioresonance yeah. therapy. I never heard of it before. And basically what it was, was a lady came around. And remember, I had tried all the stuff. And I, even NLP, the hypnotism, I've done, I've done three or four of those sessions and I lasted 24 hours. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's just, and now it's back to willpower again. And yeah. that, you know, that, that's, that was really hard. And, and it annoyed me because I thought, how can I be successful doing this stuff? And this simple task of giving up smoking, of stop, so how can I just, what yeah. am I struggling with here? But some, once I decided that to stop struggling and then just to seek a solution, right? Stop fighting it, seek a, that doesn't work. Don't worry about that doesn't work. Everyone says NLP and, and, and uh, uh, hypnotherapy should work, but well, it didn't. I've tried it, I did it three times, it didn't. So I'm not gonna fight that. Mm. So this bioresonance therapy, I said, give it a go. I went, okay then. I've never heard of it before. Apparently, it was on TV AM one morning and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> and, and literally, this, this lady came around. I've got to share. If we've got time, I just want to share this very quick story. Yeah, yeah. She came around with this little briefcase thing and a little laptop. She came to my apartment in London, in Wimbledon. And she says, uh, make sure you've got lots of water. I want you to have at least two to four litres of water. I went, okay. And uh, she literally and she popped open this laptop and this little metal suitcase, you know, like a film, like in the movies. There's the... They're going to ask the a little white coat to come on or whatever. And then she brought out these, all I can, the best way to describe them is like swimming bands. You know, the right. bands you get at the, at the swimming pool where you've got to say, this is your time to get out of the pool because you're a blue or you're a green or whatever. And a very thin wire attached to it. So 
I literally put these bands on my wrist and my ankles, four bands. Don't feel them because they're just like rubber bands. Yeah. Not tight. They're just there. And four wires into the computer. What's your weight? How long have you been smoking? Da, 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 da. And she starts slapping in the laptop. Da, da, da. And she goes, fine. Boom. See you in 45 minutes. And like, I didn't feel a thing. I, yeah. did, I literally did not feel it. I'm drinking this water at Gallons and she's in the next room. She's talking to my girlfriend at the time. And I'm sitting there and I'm dying for a pee. And I'm going, <laughs> I've been drinking all this water. I didn't want to move in case it broke something. Yeah. And uh, so I saw Shad, I said, excuse me, I need to go to the pee. I need to go for, go for, go for a wee or whatever. She goes, oh, that's fine. Just take them off. Go for a wee and come back again. I'm like, oh. Okay, now I'm thinking this is, it's just having a laugh. Or it's, it's, it's just <laughs> taking the piss. Like two or 300 pounds or something. Two or 300 quid. And I've got these silly bands, which I don't even know. It's, like, it's not even beeping. If it beeps, I thought it was doing something, but it just yeah. wasn't even beeping. Can you anyway, give us a beep? Back, yeah. 45 minutes later, she went, boom. Thanks for it. You're done. Cool. All right. Well, she asked, what have you done there? She goes, well, what I've really done is that actually um, with the bioresonance, like a tuning fork, I put your body back into, into sync with where it was before. Right. What she goes, yeah, so effectively, uh, in layman's terms, I've wiped out your body's memory of smoking. Wow. I'm like, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. 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 All right, then. This is it. <laughs> but anyway, she left. And um, I didn't fancy a cigarette. Yeah. I went out, went down to the pub, because that's always my big tester. Test. Down the yeah, pub, yeah. And people there are smoking. I go on there, I can smell it or whatever. Anyway, this, 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 what my friend of mine, she turned around, she said, Hey, do you want a cigarette? I said, they do. We were passing the cigarettes around. I said, Oh, I went, No, thanks. I don't smoke. But it was like weird. It's like my body had, even though I could taste the cigarette, yeah. the, the, the virtual cigarette, as it were, yeah. my brain was going, I don't smoke. It's like I almost forgot how to smoke. And it was just this amazing thing. And I had, literally haven't touched a cigarette since. I've had no desire for one. Yeah. It's just worked. I love stories. Like, it's not more popular, but hey. With the important part of that was, because, you know, I've studied NLP and I've, and I've been trained in hypnotherapy, even though I, I, it was part of the course I went on, which is great, but I, I didn't have an interest in actually kind of actioning it afterwards. But one of the, you know, one of the guys there said, you've got to remember that, you know, some things work for some people. You know, some people are, um, it's a bit like at the moment, you know, the, the media with their their words and their language and their um, and their what's the word I'm looking for? <clears throat> the the images that they show. You know, mm. some people are susceptible and believe anything they read in the newspapers or on the telly, um, which is probably why we're in such a mess. But <laughs> some people aren't susceptible to it. Um, yeah. And I guess that's one of those things that you go, well, look, as you say, you you know, you you know enough about that stuff to try it, and then just go, it's not for me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's worked for a tremendous lot of people, and it's you know, NLP has it as uh, as I use NLP when I'm speaking. Yeah. When I'm presenting, I use NLP a lot um, because it's it's to help people break down those barriers so that they mm. actually get involved in your conversation, right? But yeah, it's uh, it, it I was accepted. I didn't say it didn't it was wrong. I just said it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Oh, so I think it's right. an important lesson for people um, is you know just because this thing works for you. I mean, we know people. My partner's a, a nutritionist, naturopathic nutritionist, and she'll have someone say, yeah, but, you know, Barbara down the road has lost loads of weight because she's doing the this. And you're like, yeah, but you're not fucking Barbara. Yeah. And maybe you've been through the menopause or she breastfed or she's done this or, you know, she's got different genes. And you're like, just a reminder that that everybody's different. Um, yeah. Well, two last questions was, uh, again, I know we could speak for ages. I do feel like we've got another podcast in us one day, hopefully in person, yeah. if you're yeah. uh, if you're ever in the UK. Um, but it was about like the high ticket sales. Um, yep. And I know I mentioned to one of my friends who um, is in is in business. And I said, uh, I was interviewing yourself and and he had a look at your website and he was the same as me. He's like, it's always interesting to know a few bits about how you teach people high ticket sales as opposed to normal sales. Because, of course, when someone's parting with, you know, five, 10, 20 grand, it's a maybe it's a it's a different um, in different investment, literally to someone that's you know giving over 30 quid for something. What, yeah. What's your thoughts on the high ticket sales? Well, again, that's a whole yeah, yeah. There's, there's a whole massive argument. What's your thoughts on it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the definition of a high ticket service or a high ticket product is yeah, it's five grand upwards, all right, and right, right okay. up to 100, 200 grand. It doesn't matter. It's not, yeah. But you use a key word, which is investment, right? And it's not you're not buying something. There isn't a cost to it. If you have a true a high ticket something that's, that's of value, then um, that becomes an investment. So where's the difference? Where the, the mindset that a lot of 
stuff that I have to work with with my clients initially is their own mindset, is their own belief of what they absolutely have. Yeah. You know, and I've had people who um, I've worked with people who had a thousand dollar product, which is now a fifteen thousand dollar product, mm-hmm. and 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 but it wasn't the product didn't really change that much. It was their mindset that absolutely right. changed. Um, had a, a guy recently in the relationship field. So you'd think, well, that's that's not even a product. You know, it's a it's he's coaching in a relationship. He coaches men in relationships. You know, right. yeah. big uh, CEOs who focus on their business rather than their relationships. So it's really intangible. Mm. But once he got his head round, he went from five grand to twenty five thousand. One, yeah. it's the same package. Just yeah. changed his mindset. mindset so first and foremost, it's mindset. But what comes down to it ultimately is how do you define it and what helps your mindset is the problem that you solve. Right. Yep. So that's what it boils down to. And everyone goes, yeah, it's the problem that you solve. But if you've got to know who your idle paying client is, you know, the avatar as it's normally called, but I like to call it your idle paying client because there's lots and lots of coaches out there who have lots and lots of idle clients who haven't paid them a penny. Right. <laughs> They've helped them all, but they haven't paid them a penny. So who's your idle paying client? Someone who'll pay you for it, who'll yes. pay your high ticket. Um, and you want to know what their biggest problem is and what does that problem cost? So effectively, if you want to charge five figures for, you know, 10 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand, you better be solving a six figure problem. Yeah. Okay. You want to be charging six figures. You're going to charge a, you've got to find a seven figure problem. Mm-hmm. And if you can't monetize for yourself, the problem, you're not going to be able to monetize that as a return upon investment for your clients. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this work is, is on the, on the actual client, your mindset, then the problem before the solution. And I think a lot of coaches and trainers and they, they come with a solution and try and shove it down their throats and go, this is <laughs> yeah. a 10 grand, this is a 10 grand solution to all your problems. Yeah. This is what I do. Just I take did. this glorified pill and if it boom, you'll be you'll be this. And, and, and so, some some of them might get through, but it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's certainly not scalable because there's only one way to go from there, and that's down, because you'll eventually want to scale and therefore you have to drop your prices. So it's a lot easier to come in high, a lot higher, find the true value of it. And then once you know the true value, it's a case of just conversing with people to get them to feel their current challenges. And then it'd be, oh, it is a seven-figure problem. Didn't realize it was a seven-figure problem. Didn't realize it was going to cost me this. You know, and my client who who I've just been speaking about, you know, he works in an industry where divorce is rife. Yeah. And how do you put a price on divorce? Well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot, <laughs> especially if you're a very successful CEO or something yeah. like that or a company, that can really rack up. So once you really put them in that position, your worth of 25 grand is, mm. it becomes an awful lot easier yes. to, transi- to transition over. It's really interesting and definitely something that, um, yeah, when I, I guess when I worked in the city, you just didn't have to, that's what I was saying, when you're an employee, uh, and you're working in a certain kind of department or division or something, you didn't have to think of that kind of stuff. So I find it so interesting to, you know, why will one person happily drop 10 grand on a product and the other person doesn't? As you say, it's it's all of the different things. You know, have they used the right language to market to them? Do they understand what their pain points are, et cetera? So I'm, uh, I'm slowly learning, and hopefully the guys that are, are listening to this are, are picking up some golden nuggets. Well, yeah. last question was about... Uh, we talk about uh, being relentless and things, but relentless and crazy things for me is, is you doing uh, shark diving. And, and it's not just shark diving, it's no tank shark diving. <laughs> yeah, no cage, no cage shark diving. No cage, diving. sorry. So how, how have you even got into that? Because <laughs> um, I'm a crazy motherfucker. <laughs> I, I would try anything once. Yeah. And once I try it, um, if I enjoy it, I'll keep on doing it. Yes. So um, I was in Cape Town uh, probably 10 years ago right. and we went uh, out shark diving in a cage and you had to, uh, on a boat, six, seven hours and you go into a cage and they, they yeah, they, 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 they feed these big white sharks, the big white sharks come bang, they bang into your cage and it's like, whoa, it's a big scary thing. And I, I loved it. I really, really loved it, you know, and um, that day ended very, very quickly because some American guy, ex-marine who, who, who 
thought he, the rules didn't apply to him. The, 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 what, what a simple rule. Don't stick anything out of the cage. Right? That's a simple rule. Don't yeah. stick your finger out of the cage. Don't stick anything out of the cage. It's well, he shot. decided that his GoPro was allowed to go out of the cage. So he stuck his GoPro out of the cage to see the shark coming. And as the shark hit the cage, the, the, the shark tooth nipped his finger and sliced his bottom finger. All right, off, and there was blood everywhere, and then, and all of a sudden they, they pulled the guys out of the cage, oh. dumped the cage, oh. and all hell went back to the thought. And I thought, <laughs> okay, but I was in Mozambique a couple of years later. I was in Mozambique, and I was diving. They go, do you want to go shark diving? I said, I love shark diving. This is a yeah. no cage shark. You can go and feed the sharks. I was going, feed the sharks. So we're sitting on this thing, uh, this uh, rib boat. We're going out there, and there's eight of us on this boat, and there's a there's a there's a cage next to it, and we get to this point, and they start chomping the sharks, and all the sharks coming come round, and they're just circling the boat, and uh, they say, right, who who's our free diver? Who are who are our free divers on the boat? And I saw my hand up, and I looked around. As I said, there's eight of us on the boat. I looked around. It was just me. <laughs> it, it was just me on the boat. All right. And they went, right, so this is what you do. Do you see the buoy over there? I want you to roll into the into the water. Make sure you have your gloves on so you can't see your skin because of the reflection. Yeah. Cross your arms and just swim across the buoy and then drop 10, 10 meters, 30 feet, and, and then hover. All right. And, and, I'll, and I'll come and get you then. I went, okay. Anyway, this, remember, there are sharks circling the boat. And they're chomping the shark. Yeah. And I said, one, two, and all of a sudden you can see that I'm ready, got my mask on, I'm ready to go, oh, I've got my vibrator. Over I go. And my last, my last uh, view, my last memory of seeing is seeing everyone on the boat go, the fuck just <laughs> <laughs> go over into the into the water, into the shark-infested water. And I go down. And I was going, I go over, I go down, I hover around 30 feet. And then all of a sudden, this bucket of chomp is lowered above my head. Yeah. Right. And now all these sharks starts coming round, thing, and they're circling, and they, they look like they're circling me because I'm literally just below this mm. this, jump, this bucket of jump. And as they're circling, and they start wiggling this thing, and then more sharks hit the bucket, and then more blood comes out, and then more sharks turn around. It must have been around 20, 22 sharks somewhere, like and then they start hitting me, and I'm being tossed and turned, and. Oh, the, the, the thing that he had to tell me at the top, because remember, when the sharks hit you, they're not there for you. They're there for the food. So don't react. Just, right. just do and your freak thing. out. Yeah, don't freak out and start waving your hands because they'll start thinking that's now the food, right? So you just <laughs> got to gotta breathe properly. Breathe, breathe properly. Control your breathing was the last thing he said to me. Anyway, the shark came towards my mouth. And, went, <gasps> and I used up all my tank in like five minutes. Because <laughs> 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 this shark is literally like jaws coming straight at you. Yeah. As a, as this thing, this, this shark and his teeth and stuff. Anyway, that was five minutes. I got back on the boat and I was hooked. Right. I went back, I booked the next day. I was down there for an hour with these beautiful things, knocking wow. me over, bumping into me, stroking them. And ever since then, whenever I go around the world, I've literally, the last time I traveled internationally, pre-COVID was to um, Bahamas. Right. And uh, you know, I don't know if you saw the, uh, the old James Bond film when he was, um, diving with sharks and, yeah. and then they were fighting with the sharks in there. Well, that's where I was diving with sharks. Wow. And it was just, just an amazing experience to just to be there with these guys in their territory, knowing that uh, you screw up, you become their dinner, right? <laughs> you just don't screw up. So that's there's all about yeah, right. consistency again, right? It's yeah. just do the right thing and, and you'll be okay. I, I wonder, I wonder whether I'd be able to do that because I, I guess that at those, especially the first time you do it, it really is a lesson in how to stay calm. Yeah. And I guess you can only, I'll tell you why I laugh because when I went to Life and Wealth Mastery where I met Heather and they did a, uh, and it was at the Ritz in, in Tenerife and on day one or day two, I can't remember, you all went up to kind of a, a, a bit of a, felt like a bit of a mountain and you had to scale this, like a telegraph pole, like mm. totem pole and you were attached to a harness and now I was doing a lot of obstacle course racing at times. So I was like, fucking get out of my way. This is easy. I'm coming through. And uh, I remember- yeah, Let the expert off. through. Yeah, let the expert through. I know what I'm doing. This is easy. And I got near, just near to the top and it was pretty, pretty high. Um, and I was like, yep, yeah, whatever. <clears throat> and then it was the moment when I had to put my foot on the top and take, and take my hands off and actually stand up. And at that moment, 
I froze and I could hear people going like, come on, just take the step. And I was like, shut the fuck up. I, I, I'm trying and I just couldn't, I just couldn't move for yeah. maybe 30 seconds. It's surprising how quickly you could start sweating. Yes. Uh, especially when the sun's shining. And I did stand up there, but it made me realize that in those moments, you know, I wasn't at that time able to control. I'd gone from relaxed and chilled to suddenly heart rate rocketing. And I can only imagine what that's, you know, what that must be like when you're down there. I, I guess there's been times when people have kind of just said, this isn't for me. I think that's exactly, in, in life, that's everything, isn't it? So as I yeah. said, giving everything a go once, not being afraid of your own shadow. I think it's such a shame that people, because of the press or whatever, or what they've read or, or their past, whatever, um, and they're, no, whatever reasons, they're fine. The reasons are fine, all right? Whatever yeah. the reasons are for not giving something a go. But what I really want to encourage people to do in anything is to is to take be have the courage to take a leap every now and again mm -hmm. because it doesn't have to be just choose one thing it doesn't have to be on your bucket list just choose one thing that scares you I can't remember the book that does it just choose one thing that scares you every day and do it right it's not yeah. it's not face your fears book it's just choose one thing that, that scares you and do it and it's funny after a while that you, you've done one thing that scares you and oh that wasn't too bad and then you do something else that scares what's you what's next what's next let me do it and then you just eventually i mean i have no intentions of being the next bear gorilla so i have no intentions of being something like him but i know what i like and it but it's not just the sharp thing it also means that doing things in life which scare you for me to pack up my whole life and move over to america yeah yes it was for the woman i love but it was but it's still me i've still got to think oh no second my whole history mm. is is there even though i traveled around the world my history my home is in london and yeah. to come over here into, into a brand new world is big and scary mm. um so if you have a good enough reason that's that's really good but you also need to find courage and courage comes in little bits you know you build up courage and yeah. you're trying to get the bit it's like trying to get into the ring with um you know, when McGregor at the moment go, yeah, I, I've done, a, I've done a bit of boxing down the thing. I'll, I'll go into the ring with him. That's, that's gonna, and, and he's going to go full pelt at you. It's, it's yeah. a, that's going to take a lot more courage. But if you yes. build it up, build it up, and build it up, then the courage comes. Yeah. You know, we're not going to be stupid about courage. You know, the thin line between stupidity and courage. But you're right, and and I guess it also links back to it's having. Um, you know, you can't always be super motivated. I know Tony Robbins changed it from being in a peak state to being in a beautiful state because being mm. in a peak state is really tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. And there's a, and there's a time and a place for it. And I guess that comes in, you know, it's trying to find the courage at the right time when you're motivated and have some accountability to be focused on what you need to do. And it, I guess that comes back to where a coach comes in. They try and, yes. you know, take all the ingredients. So at the right time you take the right action. Um, yeah, which yeah, I guess is is, a, is another podcast. But so, well, look, I've taken enough of your time. I, I know there's definitely uh, some more we're gonna we're gonna hopefully talk about at some point. And um, what are your plans the rest of today? Uh, the rest of that, I've actually got to do a presentation tomorrow morning in Hong Kong, so it's online. Yeah, uh, that'd be a first thing at five o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Nice. From here, so I'll be doing some prep for that. But um, we've literally just bought ourselves a nice little condo on the beach that's going for a bit of a remodel. So uh, I think I'll have to spend the rest of the afternoon in between remodeling a beer and a beach. Sounds good to me. <laughs> then it's a bit of sunshine our way. And a well, bit of sunshine. Well, I certainly will. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, it's great to talk to you also because, you know, Heather spoke to me about you a long time ago. And I remember, you know, I've always written, I've got a nice list of people that I'd like, love to have at some point on the podcast. And uh, it was quite a while ago I wrote your name down. And it's always good when it's someone else that you've really enjoyed talking to who's dropped some good gold nuggets and actually you've had a, a had a good laugh with as well. So Mate, I've enjoyed it. It's been really good. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll speak to you soon, Gary. You too, buddy. Thanks. Speak to you later. Bye -bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to sign up to our game changing weekly e-letter that's read by men around the world. Sign up at wholemanacademy.com forward slash movement. Until next time.